Hashtag Pistons Podcast. As normal, I'm Joe, I'm your host. Um, joined by a special guest today, and I'm going to just let Koo introduce himself and our special guest today, because Koo brought him on, so Koo, you can go ahead and introduce. Um, what's up, everybody? Uh, you can always find me at NBA on Twitter. Uh, I recently just joined Clutch Points, so you can find some of my work on there too now, but outside of that, you want to see some of my Just Pistons work, you can find me at Detroit Bad Boys. And here with us today is my former high school head coach, uh, Corey Smith. I won't call him Corey. I still call him Coach. But, well, thank you for coming on here, Coach. I appreciate you coming on here. Hey, no problem. Anytime, Koo. Happy to help you guys out. and uh, Always happy to offer my opinions as well as you know. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> All right, Joe, you can take it from here. Okay, so um, it's been a little bit since we did our last podcast. Um, you know, obviously I had an injury. I messed up my knee pretty good, and then some other stuff happened. So uh, we've got quite a bit that's happened since we last spoke. But um, I think we'll just kind of go at it in a sort of general. Um, so first off, before Blake made his not-so-triumphant return, um, what we sort of thought about that stretch of games, so that would probably be, since our last one, probably like the four or five games before Blake came back. Um, so, Koo, I think you can probably just start us off, just sort of general thoughts on anything you want to touch on from that stretch there. I mean, there's, the main thing I want to touch on would be Andre Drummond. I think he was playing exceptional. Uh, he's still playing really good on defense, but during that stretch, he was carrying a big load, and despite the despite some of the views from outside of Detroit, and maybe even Coach feels a different way about this, we'll see. But I feel like Andre was playing amazing basketball. He was active on defense. He was carrying the load offensively. And even though the Pistons were losing some game, he was keeping them in the game. He was keeping them competitive. And really, the story of the Pistons' losses have all came uh, Andre getting in foul trouble. As soon as he gets into foul trouble, as soon as he has to come off the court, it's just like the Pistons lose complete functionality. And they just can't do anything because I haven't I haven't looked at the uh, on off as of late over the last few games, but I know for a fact that there were at least a few games where we lost that Andre was like a plus five plus six and we he still lost. So it really was just Andre was really asserting himself, and the story of the games were always how long can we survive with Andre on the bench? And you know, obviously we didn't survive very well. Well, just because you brought it up, um, I think that a good first question for Coach then would be, um, Coach, what is it? What what do you? What's your general opinion on Andre Drummond, and not even necessarily just the way he's played so far this season, but just in general? What do you think of him as a player? Well, I have uh, grown on Andre Drummond. Uh, when Koo was a player at our school, um, I was not a fan. Um, I think he is a very good player, and I, I said from the beginning he was all he was a stat stuffer but not a winner. I'm not sure I, I've changed on the winning part, but he has certainly improved his game. Um, the one thing I do like about Andre Drummond, especially, is he seems to want to be in Detroit, which, uh, you know, as you guys know, Detroit's not a destination spot. So getting somebody who wants to be here is a big thing. But um, I, I just don't see a way under the current roster construction that you can build a winner centered around him. And it's not necessarily his fault anymore. I'm not blaming him, but I think he's one of the few pieces that, you know, maybe you can move and do something. I, I think they're just stuck in limbo right now, and you know, he he might be something that can get you out of that. 
Okay. I mean, that's fair. Um, me and Ku have talked about this quite a bit where, you know, with Andre, um, it's fair to question, you know, exactly what level he's at. You know, like you said, can you, can you construct a championship roster around him? Um, that's a fair question to ask, but I do think that you kind of, you know, you hit on an important point where it's like the way that he's played, you know, the last couple of seasons and so far this season, um, it's made, he's made it pretty clear that he's a really good basketball player, even if he is not as good as, you know, we maybe would hope that he would be, even if he's not maybe worth, um, the potential max contract that may be coming his way from the Pistons or someone else, you know, maybe he's not good enough that you can build a championship roster by him. I think me and Koo probably both think that he is that good. Um, but, you know, that's a fair discussion to have, certainly. And just because um, Koo brought it up, Koo, I have his on-off splits at this point. And this is funny because, Koo, if you'll remember back um, after the first few games, his on-off splits were actually pretty poor. And people brought that up as a reason for his start being, you know, kind of fake and not real. Um, at this point, the Pistons, when Andre Drummond is on the floor, are minus .6 points per 100 possessions. What do you think it is when he's off the floor, Koo? Minus eight. Minus nine point two. Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> uh, so I, I think a, a, a little bit of that goes to some of it is him and how good he is. But I mean, look at who his backup centers are. I mean, so when you when you look at that, and yes, they're minus nine point two without him and minus point, but they're putting in guys who are at best third string centers on any other team, any other quality team, anyway. Yeah, Joe pointed that out. Joe actually tweeted about that the other day that, you know, one of the fun things about this season for people that love Andre, which he very much does, uh, is that even even when the Pistons struggle or anything, he'll always be able to point to that because of how bad Don Maker is going to be coming in. And it's just going to be – his plus minus is just going to be extremely high because of that. So, yeah, that definitely, I think, has credence uh, as value. You're definitely telling the truth there. But, yeah, I think – I mean, yeah, I basically agree with that. Well, I, I'm, I hate. I'm not a very big Thon Maker fan at all. And <laughs> That's I, an understatement. I've been, this, I've been on this podcast and I've ranted many times about Thon Maker, but yeah, the lack of any kind of backup big, or let's say Dwayne Casey's refusal refusal to play the backup big that should be playing, definitely plays a part in that. Well, so when I said, yeah, because you're right, Koi, I did tweet this. It wasn't necessarily just as simple as Herder, I can use his plus minus. It's that when Aaron Baines was his backup, and Aaron Baines is, like, really good, right, people used, well, Andre, you know, they're not even that much worse when he's off the floor. I think there was the one season where they were actually quite a bit better when Aaron Baines was on the floor. And people use that as a reason to knock him for, like, three straight seasons when it's like, well, that's because Andre Drummond's backup is probably the best backup on the team. So, like, people love to point to Reggie Jackson that one season when it's like Steve Blake was his backup that season, you know? So I just... Well, and that goes into Aaron Baines is playing, and the backups are typically playing against the other team's backups, too. Yeah. So, which really goes to show you how bad Thonmaker is. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, but... I mean, so that's not, it's not a perfect stat, but it gets you at least in the ballpark of what's going on. Yeah, so I know, yeah, I'm fully aware that a big reason that his plus minus is so huge is that Thonmaker's been his backup, so it's going to be like that. If it continues, it'll be like that all season, and that'll be a big reason. I just kind of enjoy that some of the logic that has been used against him by people in the past is, it kind of is going to flip around, and I wonder how many people will be willing to admit that now. 
Um, but because it seems like yeah. a fairly oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I mean, cool will tell you, and and she'll probably be surprised how much I hated Andre Drummond from the beginning. Um, and now I've gotten to the point now. I I I think he's a really good player. I still don't think he could be the best player on a championship level team. Um, I think he could be the next best player. Where I think I at the beginning I was third best player. I. I, I mean, that's where I've come on him. He, he's a good player. Uh, he, he still lacks, uh, I think, in crunch time. I mean, if you're going to depend on him, can you throw it down to him to get a basket? Can you depend on him in those situations? Can he make free throws in those situations? We don't know because he hasn't been put in those situations in Detroit. Yeah, I mean, like but I said thing, earlier, that's totally fair. Cool, go ahead. Sorry. No, yeah, that's, I was just going to say, no, the one thing, the reason why – Plus, the on-off splits really is such a big deal. Uh, at least, not not a big deal, but something we just really wanted to poke fun at. Just because, literally, like after his first like five games when he had like three straight twenty twenties, we had people from outside Detroit tweeting us. Uh, these national guys talking about well, they're not even that good with they're they're not even that much worse uh, or better with him off the court. So blah blah. How how real is this really? And it was real. They were working off a small sample size. And if you watch the games, you could just tell the reason why this. It was because Derrick Rose was playing out of his freaking mind and was going against second units and just destroying them. And while he was doing that, Andre was playing with what? What was he playing with at the beginning of the season? Tony Snell, Tim Fraser. Uh, part of it was Reggie Jackson with half a bat. Uh, yeah. Like it, it was pretty bad. So that's the only reason why we, I really wanted to point it out because after such a small sample size, all of his haters who just don't watch the games want to point this on-off stat off a small sample size. Now we're like what four games four games after that and it's already changed dramatically so that's why i wanted to point it out but another thing based off what coach just said is that if you're i feel like there's two things to say about that one if you're looking for andre drummond to be that guy and you want him to be that guy i think that's when the issue comes he shouldn't be that guy he just shouldn't be the one you should be expecting to try to go and get that bucket that's not where his value is at so it's it's kind of like the thing with when stanman gunny was the coach and joe you know about this i don't know if uh I know I was – I believe that was probably my junior year. It might have been my first year up on varsity that uh, this was going on. But Stan Van Gundy, you know, was forcing it down to him in the paint. He had a lot of post-ups. I believe that was the year we made the playoffs. He had a lot of post-ups. And it just – he just isn't that type of guy. Now, the Pistons – I feel like the Pistons found something with his face-up game. He's finding ways to contribute in offense. He's just – and really, he's just improved so much really each year to where he can do that kind of thing now. But still, the main problem with the Pistons, and me and Joe have talked about this, is that even – I don't think me or Joe believe that Andrew Drummond should be the go-to guy scoring. You should be just giving him the ball and expecting him to score for you in the clutch time. I just don't think that's – I don't think anyone really thinks that's who we should. But the the really sad part about it is is that so far this year, that has legit been their best offense. That's how bad everybody else around him has been. So – that's that's just the real sad thing about it. And then lastly, actually, I I disagree with the the free throw shooting late. We actually I actually wrote something about his clutch shooting last year. He actually is a, he's like an eighty. What was it, Joe? Do you remember what it was like eighty four percent free throw shooter in the clutch over the past two seasons? Uh, I don't know if it was quite that high, but it was it was definitely better. It was pretty solid. I know. I don't know if it was quite that high, but it was. He he's he shot free throws well in the clutch for like two or three years now. Definitely. Well, well, there's there's a difference between clutch end of the game, you know, defined last two minutes of the game, and clutch playoff time. You know what I'm saying? Like, can he 
who knows whether he can do it in the playoffs. Maybe he can. Maybe that'll pass over. But you look at guys a lot who struggle all of a sudden, who are good free throw shooters, who all of a sudden struggle in the playoffs. It's a whole different ball. Game. That's fair. Uh, Joe, if you want to go ahead and say something about it, I'm, gonna look up, I'm actually going to look up his clutch shooting right now. Okay. Um, I just want to make sure I get the number right. Okay, well, you can look up that number. Um, but I thought it would be pretty easy to transition then into what do... Okay, so I'll, while Kuz looking up the number, okay, Coach, what do you think would be the answer to the backup center situation? Do you think that it's just that obvious to play Christian Wood, or um, do you think that maybe it's just pray? I mean, <laughs> what do you think is the answer to the backup center situation? I mean, the best answer is probably not doable. Uh, I mean, to play Blake at the center and split their minutes, but, I mean, can he, his body withstand that? Maybe at the end of the year, and when it comes playoff time, uh, if they don't make a roster tune-up, but I think their best option would be not having them on the bench at the same time and splitting that backup center spot. Um, but you know, as it sees right now, he's on the load management and probably not playing back to backs. You can't go to that. Um, I don't trust Christian Wood at all. Um, I think he's a guy you throw in there when your team's struggling because he can score a little bit, but. He, he does not look the part defensively. He looks lost a lot, and all he can do is score one-on-one. Um, I think he's a project at best. Okay, and that's that point you made about Christian Wood, I think, is something that's important to note. So, like, me and Koo both think that Christian Wood should probably be playing over Thon Maker, but that has a lot more to do with the fact that Thon has been an absolute trash fire. And I, it's funny that... There's some people in Pistons Twitter who think that th- who think Christian Wood is like gonna be the savior of this team, and it's so hard to get people to believe that's like no, like I think the guy should be playing. I'm fully behind that. I would play him over Thon Maker, but like that dude on defense, some of the rotations that he makes or oftentimes doesn't make. I mean, it's comical the degree to which he gets lost on defense sometimes, and it's like, I mean, it's just. To say that he, some people think that he's, no, he's doing fine on defense. It's like, there is a reason that Dwayne Casey doesn't really want to play him over Thonmaker. And it's because he is a disaster on defense. So I'm glad that you brought that up. I kind of figured you would since you're a coach, so you probably see those sorts of things quickly. (laughs) Yeah, I think I was about to say, it's pretty, it was was good. Actually, that's one of probably, like, the best things that someone could take away from this podcast is that, because a lot of us are arguing on Twitter, none of us are coaches. And one of the things Vince, Vince Ellis, one of the main things he's talked about is that, or at least I've seen him mention it, is that, you know, coaches, you, coaches would rather see you doing the right things, but trying to, like, okay, with Don Maker, Don Maker is, isn't lost on defense, I would say. He's just very bad on defense, so it doesn't really matter. But coaches would rather see you, like, doing in, in the right spots, just not doing it not good at all, rather than see you just not even in the right spots, lost. And that being why it just looks different to coaches when they're coaching the game. So I, I like to hear that from Coach Smith because that's definitely because when I, Vince first told me that, or not to me, but told like tweeted it. My thing was, and I, I still think this is that you know it does. I mean, I don't know how much I really care about that because I it, whether he's doing it because he's just bad at it or he's doing it because he's lost that he's just as bad. So, but I definitely after hearing Coach say it and also. Obviously, that must be something Casey's echoing. I can understand it. I, I understand why they th- may feel that way. But really, I it gets to a 
point, like I said, I, I mean, I try to be nice to Thon because I see him in the locker room, and he's a really, he really is a cool guy. Like, I'm not joking when I say that. It's not me trying to troll him. He really is a cool person and a nice guy, but, man, it's just he's been so bad that I, I just don't see any kind of argument or something he does better than Christian Wood. Well, so the reason that that matters on defense and the reason why coaches – why coaches prefer it like that, Koo, is that even if Thonmaker, you know, when he gets in front of guys who can move well, he struggles to stay in front of them. Obviously, he's so skinny that if the opponent pl- opposing player passes gas, they can move him out of the way. But the basic fact that he's more often than not in the right place at the right time, it sort of just holds on to an overall defensive integrity in such a way that, like, you can have Thon Maker on the floor, and if everyone if everyone else is doing their jobs, your defense can be okay. If you put Christian Wood on the floor and he's just constantly way out of the way out of position, not doing the right things, then everyone else can be doing your jobs, and Christian Wood can single handedly submarine your defense. And while once again I agree with you that I think Christian Wood should be playing, the main thing that pushes it over to me is that they're fighting for the backup center spot. And Thon is just such a bad rebounder that a lot of the ground that he gains by being in the right spot, he loses because they just, when it's Thon and uh, Markeith Morris on the floor at the same time, they just can't rebound at all. So a lot of the ground that he has on Wood is lost there because Christian Wood, he's not a great rebounder, but he's got really good hands, so he can rebound some. So that closes the gap enough to be the main reason why I'm in favor of playing Wood over Thon. But it's just, there is just sort of that, with Thon you can still have that overall defensive integrity. The issue is that no one else really has played defense on the team this season either. Which is why he looks so out of place especially. Because he, you know, he can't go out there and sort of keep a good defensive cohesion with the unit. Because the unit has no defensive cohesion in the first place. You know, I wonder also... Um, you know, Thawne was brought in via trade. Christian Wood on the, a free agent deal, unguaranteed that he backed up with his strong summer league play. But you wonder how much um, that the coaching staff is making him earn it rather than handing it to him, seeing how he still does a lot wrong. Um, you know, you're giving Thawne the chance to win the job. But, you know, there, you also have to keep in mind the locker room and the dynamic there. And when you decide to give him that backup center job, everybody on the team's got to know he earned it. Otherwise, you know, you, you lose something. You know, this to be said for that as well. Yeah, for sure. And I'm one thing within that um, is that me and Koo have talked about this before, but we had heard that Dwayne Casey initially had not been a huge fan of Christian Wood either, and he's taken some winning over in that department. Um, but I do agree with you though, that, you know, particularly us, you know, armchair analysts, we do oftentimes forget about, I think Koo, since you're, you're actually around them more cause you're going to games and such and covering games, but you know, we oftentimes do forget about the sort of the fact that these are a bunch of guys that are on a team together and you need them to mesh. And that is one spot that where we complain about Dwayne Casey's coaching in a lot of ways, but one thing that he's definitely proven capable of doing very well over his entire career is he knows how to get the most out of guys. He knows how to get a cohesive team um, that plays hard consistently and such. So from that perspective, I would definitely put faith in him that if he wants to really make sure that if Christian Wood's going to play, he earned it because that's what the locker room needs, then I'd trust him on that. I mean, just for what it's worth, yeah. Yeah, I 
So no, yeah, I I would trust them with it too. I I mean, Joe Joe since Joe says something about it, I mean I haven't really seen anything that, I mean I'm not like in there 24 seven obviously, but when when I'm in there, it seems like Christian Wood's pretty cool with everybody. Uh, the main person I really see, he's I feel like Christian Wood's really super cool with so far from what I've seen. He's more cool with like the end of the bench guys. They usually do a lot, talk a lot. But I mean I don't really see. Don Maker usually just stays with himself. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna try to suggest that he's like isolated. And he doesn't like mess with nobody. I'm not Dovin. I'm not even trying to suggest that. But I mean, I don't really see any. I don't. I, I mean, and like I said, I mean, I'm not in there 24 seven. I'm only in there like after games. So I, this this probably means nothing. But I mean, I haven't really seen anything that would suggest that. For any if anything, I see a team, especially from Derrick Rose and Blake. Or just all around pissed off and just want to win and find, get anybody out there on the floor that will play hard, and especially Derrick Rose. Like Derrick Rose has been pissed off every time when the locker room. So, cool. What's that been like being around your idol like that? What's that been like? <laughs> I mean, he. I mean, he hasn't been in. There. Have you he fainted yet? Was... What do you say? Have you fainted yet? No, nah, but I almost. I am actually. I am. I fainted today at working. In... No, but that was crazy. But uh, uh, he he wasn't in the locker room a lot um, when he was hurt. He actually I don't know if it was just he went straight to his car. He usually doesn't really like. Derrick Rose acts exactly how I thought I I thought he'd act. He usually does. He's not really a, he keeps it real. He does the interview and he just goes to the car. He's not with all the shenanigans. He's not with like all the everything else. He he does the interview. He gets the stuff up and he he leaves. So, so I mean. He wasn't in there a lot when he was injured, but that last game when he played, he was in there and he was just, he was, he was not happy. He was very he he looked like very depressed answering these questions. He didn't look up at all. He looked completely down. His voice was low. He he called out the team on multiple occasions, him himself and the team, saying, "I think he said something along the lines of, do we want to get our ass bust every week or every game, or do we want to come out and play hard, or do we want to win, or do we want to come out and continue?" Like he was. He's not in the mood for this kind of what's going on right now. And neither is Blake. Blake wasn't very happy with anything. But to answer your question, it's been really cool seeing him. Um, I've gotten more comfortable with it. And mostly, I actually, this is something that, that's cool. Uh, I got a lot more comfortable because I, I'm i going to credit Langston Galloway and Reggie Jackson. Because Langston is super cool, and he answers a lot of my questions. He, always said, he usually always says something to me when I walk in. Because uh, he saw some of the Jordans I was wearing like last week, and he said something to me. So Langston, I feel like, knows me, and he's really cool. He's a really nice guy. But also Reggie. Reggie just keeps it like a cool locker room. Like, he's always trolling the, the reporters. He's always trolling James about the cardigans he's wearing. He's always, like, messing up, messing around with the media reporters. He's always messing around with the players. He was talking to me about the Jordans. Like, those two right there keep it really cool and stuff for for people like me coming in. So that's that's something cool. Well, you know, the Reggie Jackson thing, that's something that I've heard more and more over the past couple of years. Like, there was that thing um, on the NBA Reddit with a former ball boy who clearly was a Pistons ball boy, and he had so many great things to say about Reggie Jackson. And it's just kind of funny to think about that, given that when the Pistons traded for him, his reputation was that he was just this cancerous asshole in Oklahoma City. <laughs> but then, apparently, he's just this... Spe- so, I think some people have said that he has done some maturing. So it may have been true that he was like that in Oklahoma City, but it is pretty remarkable that um, that's pretty much all you hear about him at this point is that he's a, he's a really good teammate that pretty much everyone likes and gets along with. 
um, just given what his reputation was when he came over from OKC. Um, if, um, cool, unless you've got something else to say on that, I, I want to get on to at least one more thing here before your coach goes because we've only gotten for like another 10 or so minutes. Okay, go ahead. Cause okay. I, I want to say something too before he leaves. So okay, ahead. okay. All right, coach. You are a basketball coach. Now, you coached Koo, so I'm not sure how good you are, but supposedly you didn't play him that much, so maybe you're a good coach. No, no. that's not him. I played a lot with him. It oh, you did? Oh, maybe I'll have to question you then. Maybe I don't no, trust I you. No, I played a lot with him. No, it, it was after it, it was after when I got, a, I got up to Voss, and he just refused to play me. And then even, Joe, Joe, and since Coach cool, is here. Cool. I've, heard, I've, heard, I've heard your tales. We don't need no, to hear no, them. No, no, I'm right saying the tale again, again for everyone out there. I go out there, I start the game, I score, what was it, 19, 20 points in a game, my first varsity start, I get benched the next game. The dude just didn't like me. It, it was insane. Clem talked to me, the assistant coach, Clem, he played at, I believe he played at Kentucky or Duke, something like Kentucky. that. He played. Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky. Yeah. Clem would talk to me after practices, cool, just work hard, I mean, your, your time's coming. He, he talked to me all, the boss just hated me, and for out forever... I'll forever dislike him for what he did. Maybe Whatever. you should have laid off the cheeseburgers a bit more. No, yeah, he, yeah. Huh? <laughs> okay, so as a coach, one of the main complaints that me and Koo have had about Dwayne Casey is with his offensive philosophy. And so, because he always says, you know, we don't run plays, we run concepts. He prefers to be hands-off on the offensive end, right? So I'm just curious, what do you, as a coach, think about Dwayne Casey's general offensive philosophy? Well, let me let me just start here with a question I'd like to answer, or get you guys' input on, and then I'll answer your question. Do you think Dwayne Casey's the real problem on this team? Uh, could you bring in a better coach, and all of a sudden the team's going to be successful? Because I don't think he's the problem. But let me answer your question, then we can go into that. Um, I like that idea, uh, I think that and you want to teach people, you want to teach players how to play the game um, rather than, oh, I'm going to come down and we're going to run this set now. Like, if you watch college basketball, Tom Mizzle's a set guy, although he's kind of gotten away with that, away from that with Cassius Winston lately. Um, but he's a guy who's going to come down and going to run this set, I'm going to run this set, and then we're going to reset it over and we're going to run a different. Um, you know, John Beeline's opposite. He's a guy who's, we're just going to get this, and that's kind of where Dwayne Casey is now. Does he have the ability? You need a really strong lead guard or, you know, with Blake Griffins in the game, you can play that point forward type deal to run have an accessible offense, and you need great shooting, which this team roster is not built on. Um, you know, it really, in my opinion, the modern NBA doesn't have a guy who can get to the rim off the dribble, and it doesn't have guys who can spot up and shoot. This roster is so poorly constructed that I don't think you could bring in whoever the modern-day best coach is in the NBA, and they could be really successful with the way this roster is constructed. Okay. Koo, do you want to answer him first? You go ahead first. Yeah, let me say something. Um, I, I haven't seen – I haven't been back to the high school to uh, since I graduated, but I'll say my, first, my year under Coach Smith, he definitely – I mean, he can say differently, but I think he definitely just ran concepts. Like we ran – our majority of what we ran was just four out, one in. And then he, it was just do the right things off that backdoor cut, move around, make sure you're moving. But we never really had – I honestly, if, if, it's been a while, but honestly, I don't think I can remember us ever having, like, a play specifically that we ran. Actually, no, I take that back. Our first game, I remember we had a play. But I don't know if we ever had to, like, be a set of our offense or, like, be something we did a lot. But we have – I mean, in general, a, a, a coach who will have a, that type of offense, it, you know, at my level – 
you're going to have your basic kind of concepts that you run. But you, every coach has quick hitting plays. We need a backdoor cut. We want to post up. We want a three. So, you know, in general, I'll have two or three types of concepts that we'll run. You know, we're going to run a three out, two in, try to, you know, a high low type offense, a four out dribble drive type offense. But, you know, when we need a three, we have a set play to get a three. We have um, a backdoor or multiple backdoor plays, or we're running them out of different sets. So every coach has set plays, um, but they're saved for times when you need them. Okay. okay. That's fair. And uh, for what you said about Dwayne Casey, I don't, I, I think you, you noticed this when you, you heard me on the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, but I'm not, fan, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Dwayne Casey. Um, I'll <laughs> give him credit That's for That's putting it lightly. No, yeah. I'm not the biggest fan. I'll give him credit for what Joe says. He definitely knows how to get like people to play hard and players seem to like him. Um, I definitely am not a very big fan of his. And this is, I'll explain a little bit. I'll try to go fast with why. Um, the concepts thing, I mean, I understand it, but I feel like that allows, and me and Joe have talked about it, it allows players to fall into bad habits if you don't have like someone on there that's like, that's like going to lead like what they're doing. And I feel like that happens a lot with the Pistons because they just don't have really, really anything set up to do. And also, I feel like it hurts Luke Kennard and not just Luke, but Luke is one person you can mention sometime. I mean, he's looked a lot better this year, so maybe he's just he's getting better with it. But especially last year, especially uh, asking Luke just to run simple pick and roll is not how you're going to get the best out of him. If you don't have him like running off screens, trying to get him involved in other type of ways, then it's just not going to work. And that was some uh, – I mean, I have issues with that with other players too, but that's just an example. But I'll say this. I'll, I'll agree with you that if you brought another coach in here, I don't think it changes because actually the Pistons have been shooting pretty well from three this year. There's not a lot. They haven't been shooting as much threes as they did last year, but they're actually shooting pre- better than last year pretty well. And I think that's a lot. That has a lot to do with Langston Galloway actually being a really good player this year after like struggling to be consistent at all for his first three years here. But I, I definitely, if you bring in another coach, not much is changing, especially with the injuries. I mean, the telltale of the Pistons right now is definitely the injury. I mean, they're without Reggie, Blake, and, and Derek. I don't see how any coach could really come in here and get do much better than that. I mean, I'll give them that. That's I will be fair and say that, but I don't think coach changes that what's going on right now. Um, yeah, I'd have sort of a similar overall thought as Koo, where, um, to answer your question, I don't think Dwayne Casey is the problem. Um but I I do I do kind of think that he is he's part of the problem though, um, because so like you said they don't have a lot of the things that you want to have for a modern NBA offense, and for the style he wants to play you need to have shooting you need to have really high level ball handlers, but here's the thing when the Pistons hired Dwayne Casey they knew that they were not flush with shooting. And they knew that they were not flush with high-level ball handlers. They have Blake Griffin, who's obviously awesome. And then you've got Reggie Jackson, who's pretty good. And then after that, it was like, well, I mean, Ishmith can't shoot and no one guards him, but he can kind of do that. And then I guess you can sign Derrick Rose this offseason. But, like, they knew that. They knew that they were lacking in these things. And so it just seemed it just seems bizarre to me that when you know that this is what your roster is, and when they hired Dwayne Casey, they knew that they were pretty much stuck with this roster for at least, like, two seasons. Um, if they want to make some major shakeups, they can do so pretty easily this offseason. But so it's like, it just seemed to me that there's a degree to which 
Um, they effectively basically just said, well, we don't care for these two years, and we're going to hire a guy that doesn't really make sense with the roster that we have. Um, but once again, like you said, what coach would do better? Um, this is something that me and Koo have tried to bring up, even when we are, <laughs> even when we rail against Dwayne Casey the most, which we last season or a couple times we railed pretty badly. Is that um, you? Cer- you certainly could do worse than Dwayne Casey. His def- even though the Pistons' defense this season has been really bad, um, his defensive schematics are solid. Uh, like we said earlier, he does a good job of just not letting a lot of the bull crap that often happens in NBA locker rooms. He's pretty good at dealing with that sort of stuff. Um, you know, so there's definitely benefits to him. It's just when I look at the way that they play offense sometimes, it's just it's baffling to me why it is that it's like, why do you not do these things? Why do you do the things that you do? You know, so like, and the perfect example, I think, would be, so leading up to... Um, before the game that Blake came back, Andre Drummond had been, I think he was like top 10 in the NBA in touches or whatever. And obviously that's going to go down with Blake Griffin and Reggie Jackson, and not Reggie Jackson, Derrick Rose coming back, obviously. But it went from that to then that night, whenever Derrick Rose or Blake Griffin were on the floor, Andre was just totally frozen back out of the offense. And it's like, hey, Dwayne, maybe you should let him still like, like find a happy middle ground, you know? Because the way that this roster is going to reach its peak is that if you make the absolute most out of your good players, because there's not a lot of really good players on this roster, so you need to make the most out of them. And when Andre Drummond is relegated to every single possession just being a garbage man, that's not making the most out of him. So it's just, it's just kind of, that's the main thing that's frustrating to me, I guess. But, yeah, I don't know. We, me and Koo have ranted about that before, so we don't need to give all of our thoughts on it. I mostly just wanted to hear what you had thought on it. Do you see a future for Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin together going past this season? Um, you can go first, Joe. Yeah. Um, I think it works. Last season, I'm not going to bother to look up the numbers again, but um, last season the Pistons were at their best when Blake and Andre were on the floor together. They were better with them on the floor together than they were with them apart. Um, so I think that there definitely could be a future there. But on the other hand, there's no denying that it's certainly not a super clean fit. Um, I think it's fair to say that one of the reasons that um, they're at their best when both of those guys are on the floor is that when you look at the rest of the roster, so like, for instance, in the in the playoff series against the Bucks, a lot of people brought up Andre Drummond's plus-minus because it was terrible in that playoff series. But in the two games Blake Griffin played, um, when Blake and Andre were on the floor together, they were plus, and when Blake was on the floor without Andre it was actually about on par with how much they got killed when Andre was on the floor without Blake in the first two games. And it sort of lends to that. When you look at the rest of the roster, I think it's fair to say that the Pistons are just so lacking in talent at the rest of the roster that without Blake and Andre on the floor, they just don't have enough basic you know, basketball ability on the floor to be consistently competitive. So I could certainly see the thought process of saying, you know, we'll let Andre walk, or you could also probably try and trade Blake, although that'd be tough to do unless he gets all the way healthy. And the reality is if he does get all the way healthy, I wouldn't really want to trade him. Uh, But, you know, I can certainly see the logic to letting Andre walk and trying to find someone who is a cleaner fit, where it's not just these guys are both stupendously talented and they're, you know, they're just so good that even though they're not a clean fit, they're going to make it work. 
instead getting a guy or multiple guys who are maybe cleaner fits where you're not just relying on them to effectively, you know, brute force their way through with talent. Um, but that said, when I look at the options, you know, and like you said earlier, Detroit's not exactly a destination, so I'm not sure what the options that would be out there to be better. And we know that the Pistons don't want to rebuild with Blake Griffin on the roster, right? They're going to be, that's not, that's going to be highly unlikely to happen. Um, so I don't know. I, it, it, it'd be tough to say. I think if Andre really does want to stay, like he actively wants to still be in Detroit at the end of the season, I'd have a hard time letting him walk just because it, I mean, him and Blake are definitely the best two players to have been on the Pistons since the, since the going to work Pistons. I'm like, that's not even a question, I don't think. And it's not that often that you get guys of that caliber. So I'd have a high, hard time letting him walk, but I certainly would understand the logic of trying to find guys who maybe fit better. So you can go ahead, Koo. Um, I actually disagree with Joe. I think that they are a very clean fit. I think that actually, like, when they're on the floor, and Joe pointed this out, we outscore teams very, like, our best duo is those two, and that we outscore teams. And like he said, in the playoffs, when those two were on the floor, we outscored the Bucks. So, I mean, those two guys are just I, – I don't really agree with the notion that they're just not a clean fit because especially when they run four or five pick and roll, that's very hard to stop because you you don't expect – like, and a lot of it has to do with, with Blake because you don't really expect fours to be able to ball handle, drive to the rim, step back three like like Blake does. So Blake makes it, makes it happen. But also, if you watch, like, the Golden State Warriors, one of the main things about Draymond is that he's, like, probably, like, the best short roll passer, alley-ooper of all time. And Blake is also on that list. Like, he can he finds Dre. So, he, like, literally a four or five pick and roll against the other team's big guys, they're just not capable of guarding that kind of thing. It just doesn't it, – it, it shreds teams. So, I disagree that they're not a clean fit I or not – I won't say Joe said they were a bad fit, but I, I think they're a perfect fit with each other. My only – this is my only caveat for if you let Dre walk. This is the only thing, and this is what it will rely on. Uh, actually, it's not one thing. It's probably like two things. One is Blake healthy. If Blake's not healthy, then you got to start thinking about other things because, as you can see right now, when you just put Andre on the court by himself, he can keep you competitive, but you're probably going to lose. It's, it, he can't do everything, and when he sits, it's awful. So if Blake's not healthy, then you got to start thinking about other things. And then two – do you think that you can build a team around them? Because like we've talked about throughout this podcast, I don't think, I mean, I'm, Coach, you can say, you can talk about what you think. We kind of talked about this on the phone, but I don't think anybody would look at Blake and Andre and say, you guys are the problem, you're why we're not winning. I think everybody would concede that the reason why we're not doing as well or they're not hitting their peak is because the roster fits around them. So do you think that you can, basically what I'm saying is, do you think you can build a team this offseason with the cap space that you're going to have, which they'll have a lot, do you think you can build a team with this cap space? Do you, you can make a trade that will make this team make this team better? Because like Ed St- like Joe said, Ed Stefanski has said that their objective right now is to win as much as possible with Blake. They they've come out and they've publicly said this. They've acted like it. They've done moves that present this. So if that's what your goal is, then if do you believe that you can get team uh, fits around them, uh, players around them that fit better? If you don't, then you gotta let one of them go but that's the only thing like if that's if you're not worried about Blake's health he comes back and he's looking like Blake and he's fine and you think that with the cast you can put a better team around Blake I don't see how you let Andre walk unless he unless the only way you can let Andre walk is that if 
he like starts playing bad. If he starts, if, he, if this little play that we've seen starts like falling and he's not like this at the end of the year, then okay, then I can see it. But if he continues this, or even close to this kind of play, he wants to be here. Free agents aren't always coming here, and him and Blake regularly outscore the other teams and on the court. So I don't see how you let them walk, especially like Joe said. Not and you mentioned it. You not a lot of people like to come to Detroit. So when you got two players that want to be here that are really good players, one of them's an MVP type player especially if we're going off his last year, then I don't see how you let those kind of guys walk for a, team, a city like Detroit. Okay. Kud, you said you had one more thing you wanted to ask him about because he's a, he's at he's at the time. So. Okay, Coach, I just want to ask you this thing real quick because it's going to lead into a rant after you leave. Um, how poor do you think that the Pistons – how poor is the Pistons' perimeter defense? Like, if you if, if I walked out there if – we, if we were in high school and you saw me out there playing that kind of – perimeter defense or you saw us playing the perimeter defense that we were doing that the Pistons are doing what what like would you have a stroke on the sideline <laughs> uh oh we still got you coach well something must have happened oh. well I, I think it's probably fair to say that he would probably have a stroke on the sideline <laughs> or something close to it um, <laughs> cool. If you want to, you could just send him a text, or whatever. That he's all set. Um, because okay. he did say that he had to go at about nine, so uh, yeah, we don't. He doesn't uh, need to try and figure talk. out whatever technical issues we're having. Um, yeah. So there he went. So he doesn't need to figure out whatever technical issues there were. Um, so big thanks to him for coming on. Um, so cool. <laughs> you said that was going to lead into a rant. If you want to have a rant, you can go ahead and have your rant right now. Okay. So let me just. Joe, I'm going to ask you to let me go for a minute here. Uh, go for it. And me and you can fight about this. I know you're going to disagree with me, but I don't care because I'm ready to fight about this. Joe, last year, I, last year I pointed this out. I wrote multiple articles about it. I went live on Twitter when it happened. This is going to be a full story. The Pistons traded Stanley Johnson for Thon. Oh, my God. No, no, hold on. Oh, no. no. No, let me no, I'm finished. No, I'm going with this. <sighs> so listen, the Pistons traded Stanley Johnson for Thumbmaker. Stanley Johnson easily was our best perimeter defender. And literally since we traded him, since we traded him, and we talked about it on the pod towards the end of last year, and it hasn't gotten better this year. Literally any wing with competent offensive skill. And I said the other day in our group, I said big wing. And Martin corrected me. It's not just big wings. It's any wing. Any wing with competence on offense shreds us. There's the perimeter defense on this team. I mean, that's one argument that you can at least make somewhat for Thonmaker is that the perimeter defense is just all is just so awful. So as bad Thon is, he he gets made look even worse. And then also doesn't help Andre. Like the perimeter defense is so bad, dude. And our and we traded our best perimeter defender. Our best perimeter de- defender for Thon Maker. So I'll say this. Dude, does Kuka Hill think that Thon, that Stanley Johnson would help us right now? Ab- absolutely. Absolutely, I think so. I actually, I think Thon, I think Stanley Johnson would fit better with this starting line, this roster, than he would any other roster that we've had. But even if you don't want to say, even if you want to say, Kuka, Stanley Johnson doesn't help. He's just, he's not even a good perimeter defender. He sucks, which would just be wrong. But even if you want to say that, trading him for Thon Maker instead of – I would have rather just let Stanley walk in the offseason. And we argued about this all last season. I still would 
rather have Stanley back because his defense, his his best skill was the skill that we had nobody else do. So if you don't want to bring him back, which I would have done strictly because you need defense, especially for a guy that Dwayne Casey, he, who consistently preaches, oh, we need to play defense. Oh, you need to play defense. Well, you know, we would start Luke, but, you know, you got to think about the defense. Well, you know, I don't think we thought about the defense this offseason, Coach. I just don't know if that happened. I I don't think that mu- that went through much of people's minds because we have no perimeter defenders, none, zero. And, and our, honestly, you know what? bad for our perimeter defense when people are saying Langston Galloway is our best. We had Langston Galloway on Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler was just toying with him. And Langston, Langston, I love Langston. Langston's been playing great this year. He's been he's been what we thought he was going to be a few years back. But if, if your answer for Jimmy freaking Butler is to put Langston Galloway on him for the entire game, it went just about as good as you thought it would go. And it goes like this for literally any wing that we have. And for the people that want to come at me and say, oh, well, Bruce was a nice defender. One, Joe pointed out last year he doesn't even think that Bruce was that good on defense last year. And two, if Joe didn't think that he was that good on defense last year, he sure as hell doesn't think he's that good on defense this year because he's been struggling this year. And thirdly, Bruce can't guard no wings. Bruce can only guard opposing point guards. You probably want him on the people who ball handle a lot, which is going to be point guard, like Kyrie Irving, like he did against Brooklyn. Those kind of players. So once again, for all you out there that hated Stanley Johnson, that hate him and talk about how bad he was, well, guess what? His only skill, his best skill in the NBA, which he was pretty damn good at, really good at, his only skill was the skill the Pistons are literally severely, it's probably the biggest weakness on this team. If our perimeter defense had any kind of juice, any kind of injection, of some kind of perimeter defense, the Pistons probably have like two or three, two, I say two wins right now, two more wins than they usually have, than they have right now. If we had any kind of perimeter defense, but no, we traded Stanley Johnson because you know he can't shoot threes and he can't score an offense. He can't do that stuff on offense, even though he literally, I, I, I'll, this is actually, you know what? There was, there's one game that I'll forever remember for Stanley Johnson's time with the Pistons. And it was last Literally, we went when we got against Luka Doncic. He was destroying us, and I was screaming. And I think Joe probably remembers this. I was screaming for why the hell Stanley Johnson was not just being put on him. He destroyed us for three quarters. We put Stanley on him in the fourth quarter. I think Luka scored one bucket. He went like one for seven. That game right there just shows you. That game right there is something I'll always remember from Stanley, along with his Kawhi game when he guarded Kawhi. But once again, it's just the main thing. Our perimeter defense is a joke. It's sliced cheese. I could score on that team. It's sli- it's terrible. It's just wet toilet paper. It's weak. It's trash. So the fact that you traded our best perimeter defender, I don't care how much you hated him on offense. Joe will Joe will at least agree with me on that. That he was easily our best perimeter defender. He was. It wasn't just because we had bad ones. He was the best one. He was a really really good perimeter defender. Really good one. I thought he was on borderline elite most of the time. He was amazing on defense for us. And the fact that you let him go for Thon freaking Maker, and, 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 and oh my God, and to make it even better, I would like I said, I would have rather had let him walk in this past offseason because at least we would have had him down the stretch of last season because we probably would have won more games towards the end of the stretch last season because it was the same thing last year. We had people like Wayne Ellington trying to guard Devin Booker. We, I mean, look at the guys we've played so far this year. TJ Warren. Monstered us. Uh, who else? Me and Joe, me and Martin were talking about this. So now we got Jimmy Butler, monster. We have other guards who aren't even like star players who just come in and just monster us. I mean, it, no, dude, no. 
that Stanley Johnson, that man Stanley Johnson, I don't care if he's buried on the end of the death for the Raptors team. Someone said that to me on Twitter. I think it was Mike Arena. He said that to me. That has no bearings to me because, one, we are not a good death team like the like the Raptors who have, like, five different just demonic presences on the perimeter defense. They don't have – we don't have that kind of thing over here. So they can sit here and not care about it. They, they don't need him. We need someone like Stanley. We need someone who can play defense on the perimeter. And if we don't have that, it'll be why we suck this year. We'll continue to lose. Our defense is like towards, I think Joe Perino, it was like 27th in the league. Our defense is trash. It's not going to get better with Blake here. It's not going to get better with Reggie Jackson coming back. It's not going to get better with Derek. If anything, it's going to get worse when Derek comes back. And so, no. We traded Stan. Let everyone think about this. We traded Stanley Johnson for Thon Maker. Stanley Johnson's better than Thon Maker. I'd rather have him here than Thon Maker. Easily. No doubt. No, nothing. I, I know I would put all my all my life savings on Stanley Johnson being quite five times the player Thon Maker's been, and the fact that we the fact that our, our core weakness, our biggest weakness since the trade deadline last year, has been perimeter defense, and it still is our biggest weakness and causing us the most issues. We need a Stanley Johnson. I don't care if you hate him. I don't care if he was that bad on offense. He was, but I'll tell you this much. The Pistons have all kinds of ball handlers now in offense. We have a we have a lot of them. We have a lot of scores now in offense when they're healthy. We got Reggie, we got Derek, we got Luke, we got Blake, and Andre's been doing his thing. We got guys who can ball handle. This would have been the best roster to fit Stanley try to fit Stanley Johnson with, especially when you needed his perimeter defense like we do now. Our perimeter defense is trash. It won't get better. We had the guy on the team that was our best perimeter defender, really good at it. We let him walk for Thon, freaking maker. It's not like we trade him for someone else who's helping us. It, it, we trade him for someone that Joe just said we'd ra- he would rather have just an empty roster spot right there. He said he would rather have Casper sitting on the bench. That's who we traded him for. So now it's just dead weight, and we lose the biggest we- biggest weakness in our team. Go ahead, Joe. We can argue about it. I'm ready. I got the gloves on. We can argue. I mean, I'm not going to argue with the basic premise. Um, I don't know how much Stanley Johnson would really help. At this point, because who is he playing over would be my main question. Uh, Because last season, mostly he played power forward. And so that would mean, so are you playing him over Markeith Morris? I mean, maybe, I don't know, probably not. Although Markeith hasn't been that good this season. He was okay to start, but he hasn't been so good the last few games. Um, (laughs) I mean, look. I don't think Stanley Johnson would actually fix that much on the Pistons roster. The guy was just so bad on offense. And I think, once again, and we said this last season when they made the trade, he wanted to get out of Detroit. Um, He wanted a new place. He wanted to go somewhere else, which that also changes things. But uh, (laughs) Thon Maker ain't it, man. I mean, (laughs) he ain't it. That's... um, that is a that is a swing and a miss in terms of front office decisions. That's more than just a swing and a miss. Well, okay, that's, no, that, because that's going up to the bat. That's that's going up to the bat, and and before he throws the pitch, you put a blindfold on. That's that's what that was. You put a <laughs> blindfold on before you before you tried hitting. A blindfold. Yes, a blindfold. <sighs> so Kuka Hill is not a big fan of Thonmaker. 
No, um, that's not even. And, and once again, it, it, and you know what? Actually, you know what? Let me stop for sure. Yes, it does. It has a lot to do with Don Maker. It has, it has a lot to do with him. But once again, like I said, the biggest weakness on this team is the is the strength of the player you just gave away for nothing. That's what. The, that's pretty much what we did. Actually, you know what? You, no, I lied. We did give away. We traded him just to give us dead cap. That's what we did. We traded him for dead cap. That's that's what we did. And and the his biggest strength, which he's really good at, is our biggest weakness now. We're paying for it. I'll forever go down with this. I've, I've said it since the trade happened. I said last year, I'll forever can. I will continue to talk about this man, Stanley Johnson. Stanley Johnson can come out the be out the NBA next year. And if we still suck on perimeter defense, I still would be. I'll still be mentioning it. I won't show up about this until we get someone who can play defense on the perimeter. Yeah, it doesn't matter who we have. It doesn't matter if you had the Kimbe Mutombo back there in his prime. It does not matter. Our defense is trash. There was one play. Actually, what, what was the Pistons' last home game? I forgot who we played that last home game when they returned. Who was it? Minnesota. Minnesota. Come out the gate, Joe. Come, and you can't deny this, dude. You may not like Stanley Johnson all that much, but you can't deny this, dude. Coming out the gate, Tony Snell was getting abused. He got beat on multiple backdoor cuts. by. Oh, Andrew Wiggins was the other person I was thinking about. Andrew Wiggins was beating him on backdoor cuts out the gate, like back-to-back-to-back backdoor cuts. He was getting to the rim wherever he wanted. He was just giving giving it to Tony Snell, and we had no answer. Because if Tony Snell can't do something, who, who the hell else are you going to put on? Because we don't have nobody else above 6'5". No, no, Joe. No, I don't care. I don't care if, if he was bad on offense. I don't give a damn. Not even – you guys hear me? I don't give a single damn that he wasn't that good on offense. His defense is needed on this team. We gave it away for Thon Maker, who is a net negative on this team. And there's no reason why we should have traded him with Don Maker. I would rather let him walk. Maybe we may have a little bit more success about the Bucks last year if we would have just let him walk. But even then, should have him back. Our defense is trash. Don Maker is not it. He he was a miss. He he was a. He, you walked up to the free throw line, closed your eyes, and tried shooting it. That's what that was. No, 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 no. Okay, um, I don't. I <laughs> honestly, I don't think I have a lot to add on to that. Um, Thonmaker is very bad, and you are right. The Pistons' perimeter defense is also very bad. Um, I'm not. I I'm not going to say that I actually think Stanley Johnson would make much of a difference because I don't know how much he would play at this point, anyways. But um, I definitely would have rather just let Stanley Johnson ride out last season. And let him walk and have a little more money to spend on someone this offseason? Like, and I don't know. Who's who's someone that signed for a minimum deal this past offseason? I don't even know for sure. I don't know, but just get someone who's 6'8 or above. Yeah, who's a, <laughs> just say, let me look. NBA free, because there's a thing that shows what people signed for this past offseason. Okay, so NBA free agent trackers. So we're going to go... Um, uh, all positions. Let's go with forwards. And then, um, yeah. So who's someone that signed? How much did Al Farouk Amino sign for? He signed for a little more than that, I think. Um, You'll find Stanley Johnson on that list. <laughs> Here, just say. It is what it is, dude. While Joe's looking for that, I'll continue to rant about it. Our, literally, our perimeter defense... It's garbage. It's trash. It literally is the single. I think if you had to point to one thing being the single reason why the Pistons are losing right now, 
I, I actually, I don't even think I, if our perimeter defense was just simply competent, we would have survived without Blake and Derrick Rose and Reddy Jackson. We would have survived because Andre was keeping us competitive, but he can't guard all five positions. So it is what it is, dude. It's just it's trash, dude. It's I understand Andrew Wiggins having a better year this year. I understand T.J. Warren's not a scumbag, but I mean it's it's literally any wing with competence. Any wing that is that is capable of shooting a ball and knowing how to put a ball in a hoop, he will go out there and he will look like a superstar against the Pistons. He just will. And most, and if he's not looking like a superstar, I know who else is looking like a superstar. The person Andre is guarding, because then he'll have to rotate over, and then that guy gets dump offs or or offensive rebounds because Andre has to rotate over and help. So it is what it is. Okay, here, here's one. Here's one. Um, the same the same guy I wanted them to get last season. Uh, my guy Dante Cunningham. That's who I should have let let Stanley walk and signed Dante Cunningham. Yeah. Once again, Joe, we could have signed anybody that was just at least six eight and knew how to move his feet. And Dante Cunningham was, is six eight and he knows how to move his feet. Yep, there you go. I mean, that would have been that would have been something. But once again, until the Pistons address this need, I will continue to bring up that man number seven in Detroit. That man, Stanley Johnson, he will continue to be brought up by Kukio. Okay. You got anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Nope. I, I guess that's it. Okay. We're going to leave it off there then. Um, and once again, hopefully we are back on track to do pretty regular podcasts, at least until my knee is recovered. Um, things are still a little bit out of whack, but hopefully it's we're going to be fairly regular now. So stay beautiful, oh, everybody. Wait, oh, I have oh, something. I have okay. something. Okay. Okay. Joe, are you are you are you close to hitting that panic button? Yes or no? No. Give us a reason. Okay. So was anybody close to hitting the panic button five days ago, this past weekend, before they played Minnesota? No. Okay. I'm not close to hitting the panic button. Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose just came back. They didn't play in Miami because it's a precautionary thing because they just got back and it's a back-to-back. Miami's good. They had three days of rest, and the Pistons were them again without Blake and Derrick Rose. I mean, they're they're what? I mean, they're not even. <laughs> Let me. I'm gonna I'm gonna double check. I mean, they're four and eight. The team tied all the way up at seventh is Cleveland, who's four and six. There's one, two, three, four, five. There's five teams that are four and seven or four and six that are technically ahead of them. Like, they're right there. I mean, no, I'm not even close to panicking. Um, yeah, I'm not even close to panicking. It's not even close to there. Um, there's issues, obviously. Uh, most notably the defense, but no, I'm not even close to panicking. No, Joe, I'll tell you, I'll give you a reason before we end this why you should be panicking. Here's the reason why. Or not, maybe not panicking yet, but that panic button should be out, it should be on your dresser, it should be there, ready, just in case you have to press it. And this is why. Blake, If Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose continue to have to hurt, struggle with injuries, if they can't get healthy to where they, because, listen, it's going to take a minute to... Because I think that it's going to take a minute for them to even get adjusted playing with each other. So if they can't, even, if, if we're going to take like 30 games to do that, because it, if it's going to take that long because they just keep getting hurt together and they can't play more than four minute stretches, so they can't get. But they who says they're going to keep getting hurt? Okay, if a week from now or two weeks from now, 
Blake Griffin leaves the game again, and they're like, yeah, he's going to be out for another month, then panic. Okay? Nothing has changed from this past, from this past weekend when everyone was like, hey, this is actually all right. They're, they've looked okay without Blake and Derrick Rose and Reggie Jackson. This could be all right. And then they lose one. They lose two games against good teams. One of them on the second night of a back-to-back. And now everybody thinks that the world is falling down. Guess what? Sometimes teams get blown out. Okay, Joe. the Pistons got blown out. It happens. I'm not panicking about that. Nothing. Joe, if you were not panicking before this past weekend, you should not be panicking now. And guess what? I saw y'all's twitters. You were not panicking before this past weekend. And yes, Koo, I know Derrick Rose is going to miss games again. We know that. He's no, going to miss a I'm month saying, at some dude. point. Even he also he has been booty. No, that's see, that's just completely false. Don't start trolling. But, <laughs> but what's it called? Uh, he can't play. He hasn't been able to play more than six minute stretches, seven minute stretches. Even when he was healthy, Casey wasn't playing him more than like. That's well, right. That's why we've got Luke Kennard. Joe, but it was Joe. See, that's just not fair. And Blake Griffin when, and Andre Drummond. We don't need Derrick Rose to play more than six minute stretches. Joe, that's just not true at all. You do you not remember the first five six games of the season? It, it was very, very clear if Derrick Rose could go for more minutes, the Pistons probably would win about two more of those games. Maybe. But now no, they've got not, Blake Griffin back. Now they've got Blake Griffin back. Joe, Joe, it was Blake very Griffin clear has it, played in one game, and he's about to be all the way back and ready to go. I'm not panicking. If Blake Griffin looks like booty for like two weeks, or if in two weeks Blake Griffin gets hurt again, and they're like, yeah, he's going to miss another month, then I'll panic. Okay, so I'm not gonna let losing two games against good teams, just when you're when you're I'm at this point best and probably like third best guy so far this season, have just come back. They looked a little bit rusty and such. I'm just why on earth would anyone panic over that? The Timberwolves are good. They've been good this season. Miami has been really good this season, and the Pistons are on the back to back with travel, and Miami haven't played for three games. The fact that anyone thought that the Pistons weren't going to get blown out in Miami, that means y'all are stupid if you didn't think they were going to get blown out. Don't tell me, oh, this this effort is unacceptable. No, shut up, bro. Like, it's easy for Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin to bitch about it. You guys didn't even play. Suit up. Okay? How about that? Derrick, you've got, you've got your kid's graduation in a few years to look forward to, okay? Shut up. Come on, Joe. Can we, right? can we take Suit up. Suit up and then complain about the effort. Because guess what? Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin are two of the most serial offenders of not giving a flying shit half the time that they play on, on defense. Joe, chill out. So that that's not I'm not that's not gonna fly with me. Sorry. Andre Drummond's okay. and Andre Drummond, Luke Kennard, Bruce Brown, Tony Snell, these guys have been busting their asses to find wins while you two were on the sideline. Busting. Shut up. They lost Yo, against happened? a good team on a back-to-back. I'm not panicking. No, I tweeted this. Happened? Okay, okay. No, hold up, all right? No, no, I tweeted no. this earlier. I, I forget which game it was after. And I said, there's going to be a game where they're not going to hit this many shots. The other team's going to hit it. I think it was after like their first game of the season or whatever, after they beat the Pacers. I, because they shot really well against the Pacers, right? In that opening game, it might not have been that game. I think it was, though, because Derrick Rose hit like his first 12 shots or whatever, right? I was like, there's going to be a game before too long where they're not going to shoot well. Their opponent is going to shoot well. They're going to get blown out. And you know what? That's not going to be the end of the world. NBA teams get blown out sometimes. You know, want to know what else, Koo? 
I'm going to tell you something. I bet you within the next month, the Pistons will get blown out again. You know what else? I bet you the Miami Heat will probably get blown out at some point in the next month, too. Because that's what happens in the NBA. I'm not panicking. If Blake Griffin looks really bad over an extended period, or if Blake Griffin gets hurt again, then I'll panic. If Derrick Rose, like, tears his ACL and misses the rest of the season, then I'll panic. Right now, I'm not panicking. We knew that it was going to be a struggle without those two guys and Reggie Jackson being out. They're just getting back. Four and eight, I can live with that. Having missed literally three, probably three of your four to five best players. Okay? Your best player in Blake Griffin, Derrick Rose so far this season. And you can make an argument that um, Luke Kennard has been their third best player this season. But we'll just, so we'll be generous and say Luke Kennard is, so Andre's second, Luke is third. And then there's really no question, Derrick Rose and Reggie Jackson will be fourth and fifth, all right? So three of your five best players are out, and your third string point guard, right? They literally spent four games without a single point guard in in uniform, literally, okay? So it's just, if guys keep getting hurt and stuff, yeah, panic. That'll be fair. But nothing has changed from this past weekend. And Noam was, like, freaking out this past weekend. All that happened is they lost to a good Timberwolves team and they got blown out by a good Miami team on the second night of a back-to-back. That's the NBA. Sorry. Y'all are stupid. So what happens, Joe, when this Friday rolls around? And what happens if... Who do they play this Friday? What? Who do they play this Friday? I don't know. Oh, the Hornets. Okay, you want to know? You want to know something about the Hornets, Coo? Oh, They're freaking terrible. And then guess what happens after that Hornets game? How many games do you think that? How many days do the Pistons have off after they play the Hornets? I'll I'll go ahead and say one. Four. So we finally. And get you know who they come back after and play after that? The Bulls. Now, now, Joe, we just lost to the Bulls. That's right. But now they have Blake Griffin again, after four days of rest. So that Joe, sounds nice, doesn't it? You want to so know something? You want to know something Joe, else about that game that's going to be coming up there? <laughs> the Bulls will have had one day off, one day off. One, they will have had no extra days off for like two weeks leading up to that, and it's going to be a third and four night game for them. All right. So no, I'm not worried. They're going to come back from this playing against Charlotte, who's not very good. They've actually been better than most people thought they would. I actually give them credit. I like that when. I can't. I always enjoy when the national media writes a team off as a joke, and then they're like not totally terrible. But the Hornets are four and six too. The only reason they're not four and eight is they haven't played as many games as the Pistons. So the Pistons play them, and then they get four straight days off, and then they come back and play a Bulls team that's four and seven. So what happens? So so what happens if we go this Friday? Derrick Rose can't play more than four minute stretches. Blake can't play the, the last six minutes of quarters like he did this. This past game, what happens then? And we I'm, lose. What happens then? And I mean, we lose that game. Once again, once again, why would anyone be surprised about them being overly precautious with Blake? All right, so what happens if we lose? They're four and nine. Okay, so then that cool. This is the Eastern that, that Conference in the NBA. The Pistons would have to get to four and twenty before they're out of it in the playoffs. Joe, you know damn well that's that's insane. No, it's not. 
Joe, you know damn well if the Pistons start off slow and they get if they if they can't get on track immediately, their schedule gets much tougher in the second half of the season. Not that much tougher. Joe, I'm just saying, I'm not panicking. I'm nowhere near panicking. Not even close. Not even close to panicking. Not even close to panicking. It should be on your desk. Nope, not on my desk. I don't even have it out. I don't even know where it is. It's in the attic somewhere. Maybe I'll start digging it out later. Joe, you're not... So, Joe, we literally just heard that Kyrie Thomas is out six weeks. So, it seems like the injury bug is on this team. You're not worried about that at all? I mean, Kyrie Thomas, like, has he played in a, he played in a single game, didn't he? Yeah, Joe, but it, it's it's not just Kyrie. It's been Kyrie. It's been Tim Fraser, Reggie, Derek, Blake. I mean, it looks like that we're just waiting for the next person to get shot. Hey, you know what that means? They're, they're going to be in for some good injury luck. I bet you they're going to have no significant injuries the rest of the year. Reggie Jackson going to come back healthy. They're not going to have any more issues the rest of the season. That's what it says to me. Uh, okay. These things even out, Koo. It's just uh, like shooting. Yeah. It's regression uh, to the no, mean. Things are going to break your way. You want to know no, the reason why the Golden State Warriors had their dynasty fall apart because of injuries? Because for like two or three straight years, they never got hurt while all of their opponents kept getting hurt. It's going to come around eventually, my man. So That's Joe, how it works. Joe, I just don't know about that, man. Right. Actually, you know what? I that wrote that. You, yes can no look, you can look that up. I wrote that last season before the season for the official NBA, RNBA power rankings. Before the season, I predicted the Warriors wouldn't win the finals. And in my prediction, I said, I just... They're clearly the best team. I just think at some point they're going to have injuries, and I just this is going to be the season because they were bound to have it happen eventually. So, Joe, I just want you to answer a simple yes and no question. Dude. Okay. Simple yes and no, and then you can go ahead and do whatever you want with this podcast and go ahead and whatever you want. Are the Pistons going to be? Are the Pistons still going to be in it? Are the Pistons still going to be? Are the Pistons still like not going to be worthy of panicking on by the time uh, Reggie Jackson comes back? Nope. No what? No, they will not be worth panicking on. No, they'll be they'll probably be hovering around five hundred, then Reggie Jacks comes back and then they'll go on a tear where they'll win like twenty or thirty games or something like that. So you're telling me right now, Joe, that after this after twelve games, while that you can say that's a small sample, you're telling me that you haven't looked over that wall and that little glass safe that says rebuild you haven't you haven't just glanced over it every now and then. No. Alright, Joe's lying to the American people, so we don't have to <laughs> No, I'm not. He's lying to the American people. I'm not lying to anybody. Alright, man. Go ahead and end this podcast. I don't, I'm not gonna continue to do this with liars. Alright. Well, stay beautiful everybody and go pistons. <laughs>